Good morning. It is great to see you. It's wonderful we can be together. Some of you are back that have been gone for a while, and we're so happy to have you. We know we still have some, as was mentioned earlier, who are dealing with uh, all kinds of calamity in their life, many by physical uh, illness and uh, different things, injuries. Um, so keep them in your prayers. Reach out to them and let them know how much we miss them, and hopefully they can be back with us soon. You know, it's always kind of interesting to get up and speak after you have a gospel meeting. That gospel meeting was great, wasn't it? Ray did a wonderful job. You know, if you think I'm kind of spoiled because I went to that gospel meeting, then I had a down week, and then the week before that I was in another gospel meeting speaking there, so I had twice as good as she got it. But anyway, uh, you know, it's just a wonderful thing to be able to get together with brethren and hear God's word presented on a regular basis. Um, I feel sorry for people who really just can't hardly wait on that to happen, those people who really don't love God's word preach, I think maybe I've read my death verse here, so anyway, uh, it is great that we can be together, and we're still working our way through Titus, and we'll get through there, uh, through a few verses together, we'll see if I can get through the context that I picked for today, but I think about this here in Titus chapter 3, uh, verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. And Paul, the apostle, inspired the Holy Spirit writing to this gospel preacher named Titus and looking to strengthen and instruct and encourage him in his proclamation of God's truth to brethren and to the world. Uh, I, let me remind you of the first word of the third chapter, remind. Remind, remind, remind. we got to remind people of these things. In verse 4 he says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love was for mankind appeared. Wow. So his kindness appeared. His kindness appeared. Appeared. What was this, a magic show or what? <clears throat> no, he's talking about Jesus, right? When the kindness of God appeared. You know, I think about how important it is to understand how kind God is. Now, in the first few words of verse 5 in the New American Standard, it says this, and it's the title I gave my lesson, He saved us. Hear that? He saved us. What chance is there of being saved if he doesn't do the saving? Can church save you? Can your mama save you? Can your best friend save you? He saved us. I can't save myself. Now, without going too far, but at least giving us a little background with that and getting us to understand, you know what? Usually, before someone's willing to be saved, they have to recognize they're in a dangerous situation, don't they? Or they never ask for help to be saved. Therefore, they stay in a horrific Situation, that's the majority of the world. If people don't know they're in trouble, they don't, need, they don't know to ask for help. But when you know you're in a dire situation and it could cost you your own life, help! But what about if it could cost your eternal soul? Help. And we've got to remember to go to the right one. And the Bible is God's instruction about how you and I can be saved. 
And he was so kind, I'm going to keep stressing this for a little while, <clears throat> he was so kind to send his only begotten son here, for God so loved the world. He was so kind. You and I don't deserve that kindness. God loves me anyway. God didn't love me because I first loved him. God wasn't kind to me because I've just been so God, kind to God. He owes me. Right. That's a ridiculous thought, isn't it? God extends his kindness to me, and Jesus leaving heaven and coming to this earth, and I don't have time to, because I'd take the rest of the lesson if I talk all that was accomplished, but he appeared. He came here in the flesh. People saw him, touched him, talked to him. There's eyewitness after eyewitness accounts of Jesus living here, not only in the Bible. We can go to writings of the Jewish historians. We can go to the writings of the Roman historians, they mention this Jesus. They mention things about him. People like Polycarp, Josephus, Tacitus, all those historical writers for different nations mentioned him. Now, they don't mention all the things the Bible does. But he was seen. I don't have time to mention. He was seen many by many, many people after his death, burial, and resurrection, 400 at one time. So you think about all the people that saw him. He appeared. But I think about this idea of the kindness of God. And I'm going to get so far, we're probably going to make a two-part sermon out of this, but that's okay. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, you know what I can always do? I can always move Sunday afternoon's lesson somewhere else and finish it up. <clears throat> we'll see, though. I'm not done yet. <clears throat> Romans chapter 2. Could instead of having a fellowship meal, we could have a, a fellowship fast. No, Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. For do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Now, in this passage, he mentions kindness, tolerance, and patience, but he says the kindness of God lead you to repentance. And we see over in Titus, when the kindness of God appeared, the more you know about Jesus, does it lead you to repent and change your life? If you don't comprehend how kind God is to you, you probably will never give your life to him. I mean, you won't do it just because, well, it says I have to until you understand how kind he has been and continues to be to you, the kindness of God. <coughs> don't, take, don't take it lightly. Let's say today, whoever, any one of us, all of a sudden God says, tell you what, I'm not being kind to Pat anymore. That's what God says. She's in a deeper trouble. Without his kindness, because then Jesus isn't here for us, then I don't have any chance of forgiveness of sin. I have no hope. God has been so kind that even before the foundation of the world, he established a way to save me. That is utterly amazing. It is to me the kindness of God. Uh, I have a passage I'd like to read also, but I'm probably only going to pick a verse or two of it. I wrote down several verses of it, but turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. <coughs> I'm going to read verse 7 first, 
and it says, uh, talks about Jesus being raised up and seated in heavenly places. But in verse 7 it says, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, he keeps, he keeps running the circle about kindness. Kindness isn't you have a full belly. That might be kind, but that's not the kindness he's talking about. God supplies me all the food I have to eat. God's kindness isn't that I have good health. That's kind, isn't it? But that's not it really. His kindness is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Maybe I'm starving to death. Maybe I have terrible health. Maybe I'm like Lazarus in Luke 16. He was both those things. But when he died, the angel carried him off to Abraham's bosom. He's been comforted for nearly 2,000 years now, and it's going to last for eternity. Because of the kindness of Jesus Christ. It isn't about just physical kindness. You know, if we give someone and we feed them and clothe them, but we don't offer them the plain saving message of the Bible. We really didn't give them much, did we? Matter of fact, we really didn't treat them well at all. Because it has no eternal benefits. So this is important, and you might think he's making a big deal about this kindness. I didn't have to blame God. He's the one that was passing this stuff. Look at one more on that point. If we had time, we'd back up and read <coughs> Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, but we don't have time. So Turn with me over here to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Right at the very beginning of 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, Therefore put aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. What's he saying? Quit acting like a fool. Quit living like the devil. He says, Like newborn babies... Long for the pure milk of the word. Now, if you've ever had a baby that's hungry, and they've been hungry for a little while, they make a little noise. And they're going to keep making noise till you get them some milk. We kind of like to be crybabies till we get the word of God, don't we? So that by it, the word of God, you may grow into respect to salvation. You know how you grow in respect to salvation? The word of God. How do you do that? One thing is, you need to read it on a regular basis. Everyone in here, anyone in here doesn't own a Bible, you let me know, I'll get you one. So we got this Bible, we can read it, we can study it, but that isn't all. Can we come together and study it together? Dennis taught a class this morning. Did we gain some things from that class? I gained some things from that class. He, he reminded me of that. Oh, yeah, man, I hadn't thought about that passage in that way. The Word of God. So we have... Bible studies together made available. We come together and we worship. We sing praises to God. We participate in the five acts of worship that are outlined and ordained in the New Testament. We do that. The Word of God. We just had a gospel meeting. Why did I show up every evening? Uh, just because if I didn't, you guys get on. No, because it's the Word of God. I want to grow in respect to salvation. What's that mean? I want to be downright sure. I have a home in heaven waiting for me. And it won't be unless he saved us. I can't save myself. Wow. All right. I better go on with this passage here. Verse 3. If, I'm going to let him get the brilliant. If 
you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, I want you to think back. Oh, I could go to so many things. I could just tear it up right now. But think back to Titus when the kindness of God appeared. Once you've tasted the kindness of God, what about if you haven't tasted the kindness? What about if you haven't accepted Jesus the way the New Testament says you haven't believed in him as the son of God, you haven't confessed his name, you haven't repented, you haven't submitted to being buried in a watery grave of baptism, have your sins washed away. What if you haven't done that? Then you really never have tasted it, have you? So once you taste it, you know, there's some things, you, oh, man, boy, that's good. Now, we don't have to agree on what makes us the greatest flavors of one kind of food or another. But when it comes to God, it doesn't taste better than that. You know, once you've tasted that, you want to grow in respect to that and be more sure and more sure. His kindness is amazing. So turn back with me to Titus again. <coughs> Remind you there, he saved us. Let me read all of verse 5 before we look at a few other places. He saved us not on a basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. Does that mean we don't have to be righteous? No. Romans 6 and verse 1, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? I like the King James. God forbid, may it never be. Okay, so we look at that. In righteousness we don't. But according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, and by the renewing of spirit. And we'll go on from there here in a little while. Wow. He saved us. Well, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come over here. We're going to have to save Kendall because he did this and this. And because he did this, we owe him. What a laugh. What a laugh. He says, well, let's take the things Jesus did. Let's take the things Kendall did. Let's take Jesus out of the picture for a minute, and let's take the things Kendall did. Let's just go and see, did he sin? Woo! Boy, did he. Well, what is it? What does he deserve then? Romans three twenty three. The wages of sin. I deserve the death sentence. And he's not just talking about dying physically. He's talking about H E L L. I need saved, and I can't save myself. One of my instructors. When I was going to school years and years ago, preaching school, wow, it's been a long time ago. But he always says too many people try to be saved by the bootstrap method. Now, people that don't wear cowboy boots and stuff, you don't understand that. You know why those boots have loops on the side of them? So you can pull them up. That's what people try. They try to pull themselves up to heaven, the bootstrap method. You can't pull yourself up to heaven. you got to ask for help. He has to lift you up. And it has to be according to his plan. So he saved us. While we're on that point, he saved us. I can't say that enough. He saved us. Turn back with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 and 9. Then we're going to go to a passage that Dennis got to this morning for Isaac. That's okay. He was just helping me out as remembering not to forget the passage. But first go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verses 8 and 9, listen to this. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, I'm not, or of me his prisoner, but join with me in suffering. Hold on a cotton-picking minute now. 
join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Now, I didn't mind the first part, not being ashamed of Christ. I didn't not be the part of not being ashamed of him even though he's in prison. But now i got to join in the suffering? Wow. Join in the suffering. Now, before I read on, just go over a couple of chapters, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12. Indeed, all who, I don't like this in the Living Standard, but it says all who live godly will be persecuted. It isn't enough, the numeric standard says all who desire, but it, hey, you have enough desire that you're doing it. But if you live godly, are you going to be persecuted? That's what the Bible says. Well, I've been persecuted. Well, you might ought to check how you've been living. Okay, so you'll go back here. He said, you got to join in the suffering. I don't like that part so much. But look what he says, according to the power of God, who has saved us, yeah, what? who has saved us and called us with his holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted us in Christ Jesus from eternity. Now, it's always amazed me what some people, when they read that, what they say it says. That says you can't work your way to heaven. That's really not what it says. It doesn't say works has no part in your salvation. You guys, uh, run through my mind. Turn pages in the Bible. In Ephesians 2, no, I'm wrong. I think it's Philippians 2. Philippians 2, see, I almost got to the wrong book, and verse 12. See, I got to Ephesians. I I got where I got to. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, if we're going to get to heaven, do we have to be obedient? Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Listen to this. Work out. You got to work. Work out your salvation. Is there work involved in you being saved? There's the Lord's work and your work. Work out your salvation. You better be serious with fear and trembling. Now, here's what I think is funny. We like to look at this. I'm good about the salvation, but I don't know about no workout. You know, you go to the gym, then you get sore. Okay. Well, this is talking about workout way more serious than that. Workout, work, that's four-letter word now. We don't want, I just want to be entitled to salvation. I'm telling you a lot of, we live in an entitlement society. Well, I'm entitled to go to heaven. I tell you what, you're not entitled to go to heaven. You better work out your salvation. And he says, you better do it with fear and trembling. Isn't it interesting? Two verses later, he says, but remember this, do all things without grumbling and late. So you got to work out your salvation with fear and don't be belly aching about it. Isn't that what he says? I knew you didn't want me to go to Philippians 2, but I, that's where we went anyway. So we've got to remember that. And so he saved us, not because I'm good enough. Well, how many verses do you have to memorize to go to heaven? There's not, there's not a number of verses. No matter how many you memorize, you need to memorize more. But I guess if you're going to memorize enough verses to go to heaven, you've got to memorize them all. Okay? And then once you memorize them all, you've got to teach people all of them. And you've got to practice all of them, every single one, every single instruction, without a flaw. Well, guess what? We haven't accomplished that. There's only one, Hebrews 4 and verse 15, that was tempted with it always as we are yet needing not sin. 
that that's the grace of God and the kindness of God that's appeared. Jesus is the man and the only man. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just going to go to verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Does it take grace and faith? I think that's interesting. By grace you have been saved through faith. How's grace get to you? Through faith. Grace, you've been saved through faith. If I took that one hose out of there and we turned the pump on, it'll spray harder than the hose outside. I could soak the water if that circulation pump's good. And you say, you got me all wet. How'd the water get to you? Well, you turned that pump on you pointed that hose at me. The water got to you through the hose, didn't it? No hose, no water. If I just turn the pump on, it's going to, and then the hose isn't hooked up, it's just going to blow water all over here. Ben and Tammy, they might get wet. And Hunter, the rest of you are safe. Okay, they're the wet ones. But you look at that, it'll just blow right here. But until it comes through the hose, you can't get the water. Well, you know what? No faith, no grace. So this grace only is a bunch of garbage. Because he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Look what he goes on to say. And that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. God has supplied me the avenue in which to have faith. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the faith that will save you. So you've got to get in the book. I don't care what your mama told you. I probably do. Your mama's probably the same way. But it won't save you unless she told you what the book said. But then he goes, not a result of works so that no one should boast. You know, that's always been interesting to me when you talk about that. Talk about the plan of salvation. <laughs> Many of my religious friends will agree that you need to hear the Bible to be saved. You need to hear that message. And you need to believe. Most of them will agree with me. You need to believe Jesus Christ, Son of God, or you won't be saved. They might even quote Pastor Lightning. I don't know. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what he quotes in his message. He said, you might do that. So they'll believe you have to hear, and you have to confess. You have to stand up. You have to speak up. You have to confess his name. And you have to change your ways. You have to repent. But baptism, that's a work. Is that right? Now, I want to submit something to you. I have been fortunate in my life, blessed by God, to stand in a baptistry and creeks and rivers and lakes and swimming pools and jacuzzi tubs and all kinds of things and baptize somebody. Do you know who does all the working? The guy doing the baptizing. All you do is hold your breath. That's all you do. You hold your breath. He picks you, and he got to bring you back up. You know, you think about that. So I think about that. You know, you do that. I like to pick on different people. You know, I can pick on Tim. They baptized him or on Dennis when we flung water all over him. I remember the first time I baptized somebody in the Caney River, I made a mistake. And I baptized him with him facing upriver, going downriver. You know, it is a booger to pull somebody up when the water's trying to keep them down. I got him up. After that, I learned, let's throw the other way. You put him under the current, pops This is the cat's meow. So you look at that. So it was real physical labor <laughs> to get that guy up. I tell you who did the work. He didn't do no work. He had a whole lot of hope. 
I hope he can get me out of this water. Only thing I can do is watch him come up on his own downstream. <clears throat> but no, you look at that. Why would we say that's a work? I know all of them are a work, aren't they? They all involve effort. But I'm not saved by the work I've done. I'm saved by what, you know, that water doesn't save you. 1 Peter 3.21, it's not the removal of the filth of the flesh. But it's the action that Jesus submitted to in judgment by men and being nailed to a cross and dying on that cross and being buried in a tomb and being raised from the dead. And when I'm baptized, and when I was baptized into Christ, it was about benefiting other people. I am amazed that I can do something that simple and benefit from what he saved us. So this becomes such an important passage here in Titus uh, chapter 3 when it says, he saved us. He saved us. Jump on down. We're going to run through some things just real quick. I'll wrap this up. <clears throat> Go down to verse 7. Uh, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heirs. Let's say that here in a little while, someone comes up to the door and asks for you. They knock on the door and come in there. They ask for you. They say, I'm here as a representative of this legal counsel, and you probably don't know it, but you have an uncle you never knew about, and he just left you everything he owned, which is 22 years of I said, okay, $22 million. Wow. Man, I tell you what, let's go out and eat. 22 billion, pick what you want, $22 billion. You know, there'd be somebody says, he didn't even know he had that uncle. I don't know why that happened to Kendall, it never happens to me. We can get jealous about things, can't we? But you look at that, heaven's worth way more than $22 billion. And being on this will and this inheritance list is everything. Making sure that we inherit that which he gives. So real quick, two passages. Matter of fact, I might just go to one of them because we are running out of time. But Romans chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Romans 2. <coughs> I don't want Romans 2. I don't know why I said Romans 2. Let's try 8. Romans 8, 16 and 17. I was thinking about someone else. The Spirit himself, that's the Holy Spirit, testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen, and if children, are you a child of God? It always bugs me when people say, everyone's a child of God. That's not true. Everyone's human. But you have to be adopted into his family the way he teaches. I don't have time to preach that whole sermon today. Romans 8, we could back up and do it all in eight. If children, then you're heirs. Does God's, all of God's children, are they all heirs? Yeah. How about you get all of it? You know, that's crazy. So let's say what they do, they knock on the door and said, and they start giving a list of names, all of our names. And they list everybody's name in this room. And they say, this guy just died and he left all of you everything he had. 22. Now, wait a minute, did he give Pat $22 billion and Kathy 20 or did he give me 20 
he get he only had twenty two billion and he gave twenty two billion to each other. Well, how much do I get? We got to split. You all get the whole thing. That doesn't make any sense on a physical level, does it? You know what though? I inherit the blessings of the life of Christ. You know how much of heaven I get? All of it. All of it. Wow. I get it all. Why? Because that's how it works eternal. So we're going to be heirs. Either it's all or nothing. Did you know that? In Christianity, it's it's heaven or hell. There's no middle of the road. Well, this foot's a little warm, but this foot's comfortable. Let me change around for a little. No, don't worry about it. You're all in or you're all out. Time and time again. So you look at this passage. He says heirs and fellow heirs. That word would be best if it said equal heirs with Christ. If, oh, wow, we suffer with him. Uh Uh-oh, there's going to be some suffering involved while we're here. So that we may be glorified with him there. Now, if we had more time, we'd read a few more. But let me make sure you know this. James 4 and verse 12. You know how many law? You know who's able to save and destroy? There's one who's able to save and destroy. There's one lawgiver. One. So I want you to know today, I don't get to decide whether you go to heaven or hell. It's not up to me. I don't get to make the call. I'm thankful that I can take the book. The judgment's already been made. It's right there. I can take this book and I can apply it to my life and see whether or not I'm going to heaven or hell. I wrote it all down. He's not going to decide later. It always bugs me. He says, well, I'll leave that judgment up to God. Well, God's already told you his judgment. You don't have to leave it up to him. He's already told it to you. I mean, Jesus said it this plain, didn't he? In John 14 and verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to Father but by me. Can anyone get to God without Jesus? If they can, Jesus is the most bald-faced liar I've ever heard of. And the Bible is a total waste of time, and why are we here? Either it's exactly like it says, or it's not at all like it says. I don't make it up, I just quote it. And I try to live by it. And you know what? I'm not perfect. But through the blood of Christ before God, I've been made perfect. And he saved me. Let me say this before we get ready to sing this invitation song. So has God saved you? Did you? Because of faith in Jesus, Son of God, confess that with your own mouth, repent, and submit to being baptized for the forgiveness of sins? I hope so. And if you haven't, don't waste time. Get on with it. And then once you've done that, have you stayed in a relationship? Have you continued to work out your salvation? It isn't a downhill coast. It's an uphill climb. Have you ever noticed that Raven mentioned? Usually we say heaven's there and hell. It's easy to go down. It's a struggle to get up. If you don't believe that, you see me afterwards, and I'll take you out where Georgina's building the house. I'll take you on the other side of the hill, and we'll walk up it. And it ain't even fun to go down. But it's less fun to go. And you, I guarantee you, I don't care who you are, if we go up at a pretty good pace, everybody will be huffing and puffing. Because the back side of that hill is, whoo, it's steep and deep. I know, because Lincoln, he's sick today, but he's so crazy, he killed a deer down there, and we had to bring it out of there. He does it again, we're leaving him there with it. 
No, you look at that. It's an uphill climb. Heaven's going to take work. But when you get there, whoa! You know what? God says, give me a hand. Let me pick you right up again. If you're here today and you're not sure you're in a saved condition, whatever it takes, if you need to sit down and talk about it, study it further, if you need to confess and repent, if you need to be baptized, do it today. There's nothing more important in your whole life than to make sure that he saves you. If you can help, please come as we stand and sing.